0: Namaste, motherfuckers, and welcome to Tantric Conversation, episode number 86, Ryan Kent. Ryan Kent is a vocalist for two bands in Richmond, uh, Gritter and Black LLC, Black Black, I don't know what they're calling it right now, so one of the two. He's also a writer, written a few books, most recently, um... Well, I don't know what he's most recently written, but I do know that he's going to be talking about it at uh, Fountain Bookstore on January 18th. I'm trying to. I'm posting this on January 17th, so um, trying to get it kind of to coincide with that. So he and Clay Blancett, who I have another podcast with, and we'll be posting probably Friday, um, maybe tomorrow. We'll just get a two for this week, just to have it coincide with this uh, occasion, these two local Arthurs, Arthurs, Arthur, 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 Arthur on the rocks, anyway, um, these two guys uh, both doing a Q&A about being a writer, a local writer, going to be at Fountain Bookstore January 17th, um, Ryan I have been trying to nail him down and get him to come over and be on the podcast for a while. And this was good leverage. Uh, that fact that he's doing that thing and got a nuclear record coming out, I believe it's called Nobody Cares. And uh, <clears throat> good, it was a great time, man. It was a blast. And it was the kind of, this is coming up, the kind of conversation that I started doing Tantra Conversation to have. Uh, I got a lot out of it. We really got into a groove together, Um, you know, maybe learned some things, maybe taught some things, maybe just made bathroom jokes, a little bit of everything. I am posting this podcast from a residence inn by Marriott in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where they make pencils. And it's uh, cold as shit out here, and I kind of cocooned up in this room. I'm here for work. And uh, I laid down and took a nap, and woke up three hours later. And it's fucking almost ten o'clock, and I was like, "I'm not gonna fucking fuck with this podcast." And I decided, no, I've been procrastinating and procrastinating. I got to do this. I got to put it. Got to put it up. So I'm a little out of it. I'm a little kind of foggy, sleepy. I'm in hibernation mode. Uh, so. It is what it is. I'm stumbling over my words, I'm getting tongue-tied, but fuck it. This is really, this intro, just an excuse so I can get the fucking podcast posted. Using a weird setup, got this mic I haven't used in a long time, sitting on a wooden table. Every time I graze the table, I can hear it, So I'm not digging, but um, you guys don't really care about audio that much anyway, it's not, it's not about perfection, it's about progress, Right. All right, all right, all right. Uh, been a while since we did one of these. Uh, I've moved. I bought a house. I got a house with a studio in the back, so I actually have a garage where I can do my podcast and I can play music. Got a little music going on. I got some other people out there playing music. It's I'm starting to bring it to me. A little Field of Dreams action. Can't find it. Bring it to me. Make my house a place that people are dropping by where I can... Uh, I won't be just sitting there fucking eating Chinese food and watching Netflix. Getting forced out of that. It's cold as fuck out there in that, that studio right now, though. Uh, I recently had Josh Phillips over, a drummer from Uncle Drunk, and I met him because he was in a tribute a couple of tribute bands during the Punks for Presents uh, fiasco uh, over the Christmas season. And he and I were sitting in the studio trying to heat it with this little heater, and a couple of fucking bums were on a can under a bridge, so I gotta get that worked out, fucking space has air conditioning, but it doesn't have heat, so, yes, it's unacceptable, but major progress, I got my own place behind my house that I can do all this shit, I've never, you know, it it far exceeds the basement situation, the garage situation, it was set up by the previous owner of the house to be a full on recording studio with a control room and everything, so hey, if you're looking for practice space, hit me up. Oh, yeah, and something I forget to say about this podcast, and actually people have asked me recently, surprisingly, and I don't think too many of you go to the website to look at these things, and the website only exists, so I have an RSS feed to post the podcast, and I'm popping all over this mic. Uh, I do have a PayPal button, PayPal, on the website, and... uh, it's, there's a little heading up there. That says donate, and you can, you know, kick a few ducats in for the production of the podcast, or you know, really just to show that you give a shit and you dig it. Um, you know, eight dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, whatever. You know, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. It would mean something to me. I uh, I'm always seeing that the you know folks are. I mean, the fact that all the podcasts are still sitting up on iTunes after I haven't posted one since last March indicates that people are listening to them because if they weren't iTunes would kick them off Um, and so thank you you all for listening to them and uh the music is ending so that means it's time for me to shut up and roll on in to Ryan Kent so I uh Sean Harris and I've known each other yeah a long time good old Sean yeah you want to put those um
1: headphones on oh yeah 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 Sorry. you don't have to
0: if you don't want them i oh. can't really hear
1: i can hear you great <laughs>
0: <laughs> you might miss something that i say under my breath though
1: ah good call very good point
0: yeah and try not to this fucking table like these things are supposed to be shock mounts they don't shock i mean that doesn't work <laughs> they don't absorb anything so if you bonk this table it's bonking you're gonna hear it gotcha So how do you know Sean, anyway? Sean Harris.
1: Uh, I met Sean, um, Jesus, like, I don't know, nine years ago or so, and I think we'd had band practice, and I was down outside, and I just met all these motherfuckers, and, like, um, so I I was the young guy out of all of them, and um, they had all known each other for a long time, and I'm just hanging out with these older dudes, and uh, this blonde child rides up drunkenly on a bicycle and he's just doing I don't know he's doing this he's got a cigarette out of his mouth and I went what is this and this ended up being one of my best friends in the entire planet you know Sean Harris and that's who that's who that was and yeah that's how we met and then it's just streamlined ever since then It's a charmingly obnoxious fellow isn't he? yeah obnoxiously he, charming he uh well i i think you can go either way on that you know, sean sean's sean's he's uh he's definitely not boring
0: you know? he's one of my favorite people Yeah, he's also can be somebody that really uh he pissed me off too but i remember one night i was driving this is since he's been living in new york and i was driving to uh somewhere i was on a long night trip and he just called me out of the blue and i was like this is a perfect person to be calling me right now like this is exactly who i want to be talking to you know He's a good
1: guy. Yeah. Um <laughs> we we've definitely had some stories. Uh one of my favorite stories that we have is um it's uh it's not actually a pleasant experience, but it's funny to tell. And I was working at this restaurant on Monument, and um I had like I I'd stayed, I think, after I got off my shift and had a couple drinks and stuff like that. It's like, all right, I gotta walk on home. Well, I lived about 20 blocks away from the restaurant. And I was like, okay, I could smoke some cigarettes and just kind of walk. And that's cool. So I give uh, I give Sean a call, and he doesn't answer. And I was like, okay. So I just keep on walking. And about block 10, I sharted. <laughs> and I just stop. And it's horrible, and it's bad. And I know exactly what it is. This is a pants-thrower-away shart. <laughs> and... I'm standing there and kind of looking up at the sky and cursing God and thinking, now, if I turn around and go back, I can wipe my ass. But I have to turn around and walk all the way back, and the minute that you walk in, I'm going to smell like shit. And then I have to wipe my ass and then turn around and walk all the way back. Or I can muscle through it and get home and just see whatever damage I've done to myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm two blocks down from that after having accepted my fate, and my phone rings. It's Sean Harris, and I answer the phone, and I go, "Man, I'm glad you called <laughs> me back. I need some moral support, dude." And <laughs> after he was done laughing, he uh, he he talked. He talked me. He talked me home. <laughs> I threw my clothes away. Took a shower. It's, it was some, it's that's <laughs> a thing that
0: is all happen. We all need a Mister Wolf in that situation. Where yeah. we find ourselves a exploded, uh, pants there. And we almost always throw them away. I know I've thrown them away instead of taking home and clean them because I don't want to go home when it happens. Oh, yeah. Like the the last time I remember it happening to me, I was at Carry street cafe <laughs> and it was the daytime and I had oh, been yeah. on a bender. Like I was on my, like trying to even out on the overnight coming, you know, yeah. like didn't want to go to bed and like was still trying to find that sweet spot, you know, doing shots. And I sure, went in sure. Went in the bathroom and was having a slash, and you know, <laughs> and I just stepped out of them and stuffed them down in the trash. <laughs> Good answer. You know, I kept my pants because I did. Your ass with underwear and this is why I never go commando because you never, never know, know, right? Yeah, when you're gonna have that sharp and. At least you got a layer between. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. The membrane. You don't want to have to get rid of a, <laughs> you know, like a favorite pair of jeans. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you can't. You can't just leave. Go come out pantsless from the bathroom. Yeah. Wrap some paper towels around you. And
1: yeah, tell. <laughs> yeah, tell people. You send some friend off to the thrift store across the street. <laughs> Man. Get me some dungarees. <laughs> I'm a thirty-two, thirty-four. Hey all the you God know. in here is hammer pants.
0: <laughs> 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 Nothing stonewashed,
1: please. Oh god, So yeah. are you did you grow up around here in Richmond? Oh uh, no. I um I was born in uh I, I was born in Washington, DC at um George washington or George uh Georgetown Hospital hmm. and um my parents lived in Arlington and So I lived in Arlington until I was about two and then they moved to Fredericksburg and then they got sick of each other and they Mm -hmm. went their ways. And uh, my mother moved to King George, which is a small town in Virginia on the Potomac river. And my father moved to Spotsylvania County. So they were about 60 or so miles apart from each other. And Fredericksburg was right in the middle. And so I grew up there and I, Kind of when I was able to get out of the house, I moved to Fredericksburg because then I'd be in between both of them. That'd be fine. So you and,
0: grew up in King George yeah and Spotsylvania. And, and, Spotsylvania. And, and,
1: and in sometimes Fredericksburg, you know because I mean we would always be in Fredericksburg for mm-hmm. one reason or another because there's nothing out where we live All right so then when I when um, I went to a community college and I graduated from that and I got the fuck out of that area and I moved to Richmond. And, um, besides like a year and a half break, I've lived in Richmond since, um, the, uh, let's say August of 2003. Hmm. So it's two, Jesus, 2018, man. Been (laughs) here. what? 15 15 years. years. Wow. Yeah. And you know, it's been okay. I've, um, not to the level I've wanted to do them, but I've done everything I've kind of wanted to do. I've been, I found love, been married. I played in, um, some metal bands, you know. I've um, been in some, like, extra on a TV show. Oh, you yeah. Know, written a couple books, you know, and, and worked in venues and did all those things that I've wanted to do just on a micro level. Mm-hmm. But, it, I mean, I can't complain about that. I would have died where I was. You know, do you just, remember in, like,
0: uh, I you know, i actually been doing a little genealogical research on my family, and a uh, big part of it was all, all along, like, the you know, Occoquan and, and King George and like people, uh, you know, my folks lived all down in that area. And I never really thought much about that area. Until I, was doing <laughs> that. I didn't, Research. I didn't growing up there. <laughs> and Fredericksburg, the only time now, when I used to ride the train, you can see the nicest part of the old town oh, downtown. You come through there, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But the rest of the time
1: when I'm driving on 95, I'm like, fuck Fredericksburg. Oh yeah. Man. I'm fucking jamming shit up. It's there. 20. It's like once like you get, like 10 miles before massaponics is when people just all of a sudden forget how to drive yeah and i don't know if their painkillers have just kicked in that's what i'm wondering or, <laughs> or this is what? an oxycontin situation oh, i yeah, think
0: man. prescription pills because it's like every, you know, I, I'm driving up and down 95 all the time, coming from like New Jersey and Pennsylvania and all of these different parts north. And it's much smoother in these much more highly populated areas. Absolutely. And then you get down between fucking Stafford and Fredericksburg, a little past Fredericksburg, at the point where you see that bowling alley, you're starting to be in the clear. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. When I,
1: whenever I look at Google Maps to be like, how's it looking?
0: It's always a fucking accident, yeah, oh right man. there.
1: Always, dude. I remember this one time. All right, so I'm I'm fresh in. I've been living in Richmond, let's say a year or two, and um, I broke up with my fir- my very first girlfriend. We got in this big fight, and I was going up because she worked at Geico in mm-hmm. Fredericksburg, and I had worked at Geico when I was younger, but I didn't know her from then. So I drive up 95, I'm going to go surprise her in the parking lot, and I've been her boyfriend of like four years, so Mm -hmm. it's like I'm not some creepy three-month boyfriend shit. So I drive up there with flowers and some other thing, and I'm just parked next to her car waiting out there for her, and she comes out, and we make up, and it's great. So I'm driving home, and an 18-wheeler carrying hazardous like it's a biohazard, you know. It topples over, and it's it's carrying hazard materials. It topples over, kills a driver, and it's a biohazard. And they block off ninety five, oh, wow. and there's my car and three hundred other cars that are there. I I, I don't know. I'm just some arbitrary number I'm throwing out there, but and we're there for eight hours. So I did what any good American would do is I got drunk and I and I smoked (laughs) pot when I was there with other people. We were all just migrating. It was like like a zombie movie where (laughs) there's like just people and there's all the parked cars and no one knows what the fuck's going on. Everything's quiet. Yeah. It was like that. And so you're sort of stuck
0: between the it was right past. Bright. It was right
1: past the Thornburg exit. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so I was like, right there. Where I was like, fuck.
1: I could. There's nothing I could do. It's like, well. Did the
0: biohazard give you superpowers or anything like that? No. This is sounding like Toxic Avenger, kind of. It
1: would. It would have been. It would have been way cooler if it did. It just. I think it just made me dumber. Or <laughs> you know. Or maybe I was just on that track anyway, and this so, just happened to be a nice painted picture.
0: I have to ask the girl at Geico. It wasn't Meredith, aka Zoe.
1: By any chance, was Nope. It? Okay. No, nope, definitely not. This was um this is a girl who lived out in Spotsylvania, and she had um dated a guy I grew up with when we were in high school, and she was from a different town, you know, obviously. And then I worked out at a TGI Fridays as a busboy, and um there was a server there, or maybe she was she was a host. And she had dated a guy from my neighborhood, and I knew her, and this was her best friend. And then we just all met one day, mm-hmm. and then five years later, I'm finally breaking up with her. You know, She's anyway.
0: not the one you married. No, no, yeah. no. no. So and when you were growing up in Spotsylvania and King George, it's King George, right? Not Prince George, King. Yeah, King, yeah. George, King George. And Fredericksburg, did you, what, how did you get turned on to whatever the fuck culture kind of led you into poetry
1: and metal and oh well yeah. po- poetry um well it, it's kind of this is kind of a a long story, so uh um we i' got I'll, time. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that um when I was in high school, I didn't care about anything besides trying to be popular mm-hmm. and trying to be funny and trying to be this and trying to be this. I was a shitty student, I was a smart kid, but I didn't fucking care I didn't deserve anything and I wouldn't have liked me um I lost my captaincy for swimming. It was really Mm -hmm. good, but I was so excited about being, trying to be popular that failed two classes and they had just put into effect that, um, you, uh, are not allowed to participate in sports the following semester if you've failed two classes. Mm -hmm. So I lost my team captaincy. My coach told me that university of Maryland had looked at me, you know, and I don't know what that meant, but there's a possibility that something could go from there. So I was stoked, and then he calls me, tells me I'm ineligible swimming. So it breaks my heart, and uh, I wasn't able to do that. And I remember like some of the things I fell into in order to like just deal cope with that were like Soundgarden and uh, Rage Against Machine, and just like those were my favorite bands growing up and i remember that rage against the machine had this album called evil empire and if you opened up the little booklet uh to evil empire there's a collage of um of books and um and then i remember i went online because the internet was new kind of mm-hmm. and it was com, and they had a reading list which were all the books that were f- uh featured in that collage and then a reading list of books that they suggested. It was like suggested reading. So I loved Rage Against the Machine. I loved the lyrics, but I didn't really understand what a lot of the stuff was because I was a kid in a southern public school where mm-hmm. we we're going to talk about World War II, mm-hmm. Vietnam, a little bit about Martin Luther King Jr., and mm-hmm. then the 60s. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know what I didn't know what Eldridge Cleaver was, or who he was mm-hmm. or like any of this stuff. It might have been touched on, but it's not something that it was really made you remember well these books (coughs) from the suggested reading i started reading them and i started learning stuff and i i wanted to and i remember i was sitting in a car that was parked at a friend's house and they were working on like hondas and stuff because this was at a time when like the fast and the furious had first come out and it's a bunch of suburban kids souping up uh Japanese uh, four cylinders. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have any interest in that. So I'm sitting in the passenger seat of a CRX reading the Black Panther speak, and um, which I didn't retain any of it. But I wanted to read it, and I wanted to be interested in it, and I wanted to be able to um, at least understand what I'm hearing that I like so much. Mm-hmm. And so that uh, kind of gestated, and I started reading more things and more things and more things, and then... I uh, watched uh, the movie Jerry Maguire, and <laughs> in the very beginning, God damn! In the very beginning, Tom Cruise has this epiphany, and he wanted to have because um, he was a sports agent. Anyone had had a closer relationship between the client and the, uh, the agent, you know, and make it mm-hmm. closer and less money and more family oriented, you know. And he writes this mission statement, and he's just so passionate; and means everything, and it. And it blows up in his face and he loses his job. But I was already hooked when I saw that because I wanted something like that. Mm -hmm. I really wanted something like that. And um, that I didn't have that anymore. All I had was, I guess now I'll just try to get laid Mm because I'm still a virgin, you know. I've got nothing else to do um, besides come home. I I don't want to do anything. So, you know, then I started writing and then I started really trying to read all kinds of other stuff and and I started working for a, for a newspaper, and the newspaper was the freelance star in Fredericksburg. And my editor, believe it or not, ended up being Dave Smalley from Dag Nasty hmm. and Down By Law and All and um, uh, the Sharpshooters, and now he's in uh, a band called um, Don't Sleep. And um, I haven't heard their stuff yet, but he's he's still my friend. I mean, actually, when I got married, he was m- one of my groomsmen. You know, and this is great, and I had no idea who the fuck he was. I didn't, I mean, about as punk rock as I had, most punk rock I'd listened to was Bad Brains. And that's because I liked Rage Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. Rage Against Machine was influenced by Bad Well, <laughs> God, they don't sound like Rage Against you know? <laughs> But um So then I started writing and um, wrote for the paper for a long time. And uh, What kind of stuff did you write? Oh, it was all music related. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. Uh, I I ended up having a, a column in there because what I wrote for, I wrote for the young adult section. Because mm-hmm. I was a young adult, I was a upper teen, like late, late teens, like nineteen. And um, then I started going to VCU, and I went to VCU because it was far enough away from where my folks were. My folks are good people. I just I spent my whole life with them. I didn't want to be around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but it was close enough to where I could get home so that if there was an emergency, if they had an issue or if I had a problem, which was probably going to be me had the problem, I could get home. Um, I came down here and I, I started, um, working at alley cats and stuff. And I was interviewing bands and, um, Oh, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Yeah. I came down here and I started writing a column on, um, they wanted me to write a column about my first first time at like a four year college. So
0: you here, but it's still you're writing for that um, Fredrick- yeah, yeah, for yeah. The
1: Fredericksburg thing. So they, I didn't title it; they titled it "School Days." Mm-hmm. It was like with a Z, with a Z, <laughs> yeah, totally with a Z. And I was like, oh my god! But I what I did was this was the first time that I wasn't actually writing about like uh, like interviewing bands or doing a record review or doing this or this or this or something. I was actually looking at college trying to look at it from an existential level like from somebody that's quite a bit older than me looking back at like hey like when I was writing it I was thinking about like how it was with my grandparents and with older family members that I really liked and that I respected and I could almost hear them saying to me hey you know this moment right now where you're in this club and you've just moved to Richmond and you're with these guys you will never forget Mm -hmm. this moment because this is the first time you're the fuck away from where you came from. You're doing something with people and you're allowed to drink. And mm-hmm. and I do remember it. Mm-hmm. And that was that long ago. And, I mean, um, so I wrote the, the article, like, kind of from that thing. And that was, like, the first time I'd ever really started doing stuff. And then I had really gotten into the beat poets to an extent. As much as I could get into them, I liked it because I wasn't reading, like, Shelley, which is has its marriage and is beautiful and' it's like all the all the ones classics um, but i couldn't relate to them because they weren't speaking my language, mm-hmm. so it was it felt sterile to me it felt I could understand that it was beautifully written and stuff but i doesn't i don 't feel anything from mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Then I started hearing the beats, and I started seeing uh like curse words and i in like uh sex and mm-hmm. drugs and then Like, I mean, all kinds of things, especially like uh, bringing up uh, homosexual topics in the 50s Mm -hmm. and, you know, how big of a deal that was, you know, and just that, I thought it it just, it moved me and I wanted to be able to write stuff and it started primitively Mm -hmm. and it wasn't good at all. I mean, I have some of them, man, they're they're just, they're, they're, (laughs) (laughs) there's something to look at um but i interviewed this uh singer and this is still working for the freelance star which is not a thing anymore god rest his soul mm-hmm. was, uh, i love that place but um there was this band and they played at jackson springfield which is no longer called jacks but it's like a pretty much a heavy metal club mm-hmm. and the band was called himsa and if i'm not mistaken they were from portland oregon and that was like, they were like a metalcore band when that was a big deal. And the singer's name was Johnny Pettibone. And, uh, he was a real nice guy. Got a ton of tattoos. We had a great interview. He was cool, but he told me about this poet and also novelist and essayist and letter. You know, he was a, he's a writer and, uh, his name was Charles Bukowski. And mm-hmm. I had no idea who the guy was. And, um, I remember, um, My parents, for Christmas, and family members, they had no idea what to get Ryan, so they just said, give him gift cards to Borders or Best Buy, and he'll buy CDs and books. And that's (laughs) what I did, and that's what they did. They would get me those things. So I remember I was trying to think of what to get, because nothing was really getting me. I'd read all Polonix stuff by then. I'd read Brett Easton Ellis and stuff like that. But, I mean, I loved Ginsburg and stuff, but it wasn't moving me Mm -hmm. as much as it did from the initial honeymoon period of it. And I opened up a Bukowski book, and I think it was Love is a Dog from Hell. I'm almost certain it was that. And I read the first poem, and then I read another one, and I went, oh, Jesus Christ. And now that's, I mean... That's my guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's what I do. I don't even really write fiction anymore. I don't really Did don't, you at
0: one point what is one of the books that you wrote was it fiction or have you I, I wrote one?
1: I wrote like two or three uh actual novels oh, yeah. that I did nothing with. That um I remember um I had one and I got drunk one night and I read it. And I think I was drunk enough that I was able to Admit to myself that it was lazily written, hmm. and it wasn't done well, and it wasn't. I think the. I still actually. Well, I haven't. I haven't read this thing in twelve years or whatever, but I still think that the the story was good. Hmm. It was just I wasn't uh, good enough of a writer to be able to write that story. So, and you know, by now it's something like that's been done forty or fifty but times. Fuck already, that you know. shit! I don't <laughs> care about
0: that. You know, I, I mean, I had the. Uh, I was in. I, I went to school at VCU, wanting to be a writer myself. And I had, um, and outside of the VCU curriculum, this woman came up to the playground that I worked at at night and gave me a bag of books. And because uh, she, I, she had just taken a shine to me. I'm like a long haired kid, you know, hanging out on the playground. Like her granddaughter was in my my program. And the book, the bag of books had Henry Miller, Anais Nin... How Water Music, Bukowski, you know, um, H.L. Minkin. I don't think I ever read that one in defense of women. I've still got it, but <laughs> cause I really, oh, and, and still life with Woodpecker by Tom Robbins and she no, knew Tom him Robbins. and like she was, and she was actually the inspiration for a character in his first book oh, and yeah, she, she hung did. out with him when he was here he lived in Richmond. Yeah. yeah. When he lived in Richmond, she was part of his little entourage and this other guy, BK, a bunch of people. And, um, and I guess she had decided I was kind of like they were. I wasn't. But I, <laughs> but because she gave me those books, I started to be, you know. Yeah. I was much more transfixed by the um, the Tom Robbins stuff. And then, you know, I'm studying at VCU at that time. It's like straight Western canon, you know, like Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. All the, you know, Victorian poetry, um Modern novel, like all the stuff that's super, super established. Because the majority of the people I think that were English majors at VCU then were heading towards getting teaching certifications. It wasn't really about. I was there studying it because I was like, I want to be like AFO for writing, you know. And I sort of put my own curriculum together for that. Like I just want to learn everything I can that they offer and take, like maybe take some logic courses so I can. Know how to argue, oh, you know, yeah, or advance an argument and shit. You know, organize my thoughts or whatever. But yeah, somewhere. Or, or, I mean, or, I think I was reading. I started reading stuff in in a either either it was either uh, 20th century literature or um modern. I can't remember. It was a Richard Feynman class, or not Feynman. Richard
1: Feyn. Oh, did you I know think him? I had Doctor Fine. Yeah. Whoa, I haven't heard that name in forever. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm almost certain I had him, or or I saw his name a lot, and now I can't remember because it's been so long. Sorry to interrupt. You.
0: No, that's all right. It's, it's cool, man. I mean, yeah. um, yeah, and he, he had like Paul. We were reading Paul Oster in there, and uh, Saul Bellow, and all these folks, and I, you know, I did start to get that. Oh shit, everybody's already said the shit that I think I got to say that's so revolutionary, you know, or whatever. And, um, and I got a little discouraged and I, you know, I kind of finished that up, but I don't remember where it is. Some, somewhere along the way, I had this epiphany that I was like, well, it hadn't been said by me, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. And, 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 and like, there's no way, even if you attempt to completely duplicate Charles Bukowski or, or me, Henry Miller, Henry Miller was really my, Those my idol. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I think it was, it was like you were saying about the relate, relating, because he was using language. Oh you the, know. you're
1: used to in, in like kind of situations that you could imagine, and like you can't really imagine writing or not being able to touch a, or a woman not being able to touch your hand or something. You, I can't relate to Victorian principles and things because I was born in the '80s. Mm-hmm. and you know, I mean well, there's you know, I mean, I, I did finally
0: find myself able to relate to some of that shit. Like as as I had people break stuff, like I mean, I think I don't know where D.H. Lawrence falls. Like modern, was oh, that
1: later Chatterley's Lover?
0: Yeah, that. But I didn't read that. I read Women in Love. Uh. But you know, people started pointing out that it's not so much about the story as what the story is talking about, and that a lot of times it's um, oh, sure, you know, the the uh, subtext and the absolutely, you know. And I, I really got into uh, deconstructing shit and realizing, oh, okay, so this. The underlying thing here is about the Industrial Revolution coming in and really presenting a you know real uh, conflict for people who were used to living in biorhythms, used to an agrarian kinda lifestyle, used to things like horses and you know, and, and going to bed when it's dark and yeah, getting all this kind when of <laughs> life, yeah. and all of a the sudden there are these fucking machines, you know. And uh and I remember him talking about like this scene in the book where this guy takes a horse and he's trying to get the horse not to be afraid of the steam locomotive that keeps coming through there. So he's just is like running the horse up to the fucking train tracks and like Make, making, breaking yeah, breaking horse. him with the. And and he's like, this is about all of us <laughs> in, the, in the fucking industrial revolution. Yeah, you know. And then I started to. Then it started to resonate with me. It is hard at first because you're like, those dudes don't look like me. They're fucking mutton chops in there. Sure, and, you know, they're, and they're weird. They're
1: weird words, you know.
0: And I, and then I was like digging the pre raphaelite guys, like because you know they they're writing poetry and they're painting, but they're the paintings are of prostitutes laying in a bathtub in a dress so that they could get a painting of Ophelia. And I'm like, I can I can, I can relate to that. Sure. Like that's like the kind of. Sh- so I mean, I think there's iconoclasts over and over again in every generation, and it sounds like you're an iconoclast, and I am too. It's like you don't want to just. I mean you. I think similar things happen too. I I was never on a sports team, but I realized that the thing that I I was working on form over substance when I was worrying about how 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 I looked and like popularity, you know, and and you lose even what made gave you a shine to begin with. Yeah, if you try to do that, (laughs) if you focus too much on that. So it sounds like you had that kind of an epiphany around combined of Rage Against the Machine, Jerry Maguire, losing something that was really important to you because you were focusing on the ephemeral rewards that were
1: coming from that. You know, and to be completely honest with you, like, I swam, and I was good at it, and I loved it, but, you know, um, I think that uh, me um, screwing up in school was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I changed as a person like, to be honest with you, if I had gotten something from, from swimming, like any type of scholarship, and I didn't think that I was that good that I would have somebody look at me, but apparently so, um, but I probably would have screwed it up in college because I would have gotten to college have been so arrogant and excited and everything I would have fucked up and failed out. And then I would be back home living there or whatever. And I didn't. And I ended up getting something instead that I can because your body will your body will be done after right. a certain amount of years and uh, you know knock on wood that nothing happens with my mind or my heart you know but um, I can have this forever right or at least you can be forever. old as fuck and still be re- and still yeah. right I mean <laughs> you still might, be relevant you, yeah. certainly yeah mm-hmm. you know I mean like and I I, I think that that was. Um, that was a reward that I just had to wait for it to incubate and until it was a, uh, until I, maybe I had to incubate till I was able to understand what that was going to be, you know? And, um, I guess that's, uh, that's kind of a thing that happens to people like you. I don't, I don't think that you really just, I don't really think that a lot of people just sit down and I'm, I'm going to be a writer today Mm -hmm. and it's, not like that you just kind of i and like i don't think that i did that um just kind of something i felt something and i wanted to be able to f- write something that could make me feel the same way that i felt from reading that mm-hmm. or hearing that or seeing that i wanted to exp- i didn't want to copy what they did but i wanted to be able to write something in the way that they wrote something that made me feel that way mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, all you're really doing is talking about yourself and talk to yourself all the time. We're all crazy anyway, mm-hmm. you know, but at least there's something that's coming out of that, and it's not me putting today's frustrations into my Xbox mm-hmm. or into any anything that just doesn't seem like it's going anywhere, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. because it's not. it's not... You know like those hand grips that you would get you know to exercise yeah. your grip you know that Yeah shit. my dad had those. Yeah, I remember those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I mean that's basically what you're doing is that you just you're just you're just working on your grip on your your mind and on your heart and, yeah. and, and your grip on who you are and reality yeah. and your perception of reality your, your perception of reality and also your perception of yourself because you know when something sucks. Mm-hmm. And regardless or I mean whether or not you decide to tell yourself it doesn't suck you know deep down that it sucks. Like if you're right. a fucking dick to somebody, you know, you can justify it all you want, but you know that you suck. Right. And that you, you you shit on this person. In
0: fact, the more that you feel the need to justify something and to rationalize it, the more
1: likely it is that that was fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it takes, uh, I guess, doing it, um, doing the fucked up thing to uh, realize that you're a fucking piece of shit mm-hmm. and then trying to. Grow grass out of your out shitty bottle. Shit, yeah, you know. I mean,
0: <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I think that you know this is what. Uh, I mean, I've had my experiences with going pretty far down the road of being a Cretan you know, and and being a scoundrel, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of glorifying that, you know. And people like Bukowski helped me do that sure. you know absolutely and movies like dangerous liaisons you know I, was that glenn close <laughs> she was in it yeah and, uh, john malkovich
1: uh, and uh, uh, what's it um uh jerry irons Jeremy? Was Ayers. it Jeremy? No, Ayers he's in not it? in it. Maybe it was John. Uh, you know what? It was John Malkovich. John
0: Malkovich is the is the Marquis de Valois yeah. He's like this the rake, the uh, yeah. the player guy who's just constantly con- just out of conquest it after conquest. Falls in love with Glenn Close. He's been in love with her, but she there's this weird thing where she's kind of putting him up to wrecking this guy's. This yeah. That, okay.
1: Shit, I, I saw, saw this these, on HBO years ago. I can't remember it all the way. It's pretty
0: interesting too because they. It's kind of relevant to what we were, I don't know if we were talking about this before we turned on the mic, you know, the illusions that we create, but the two of them were both, you know, noblemen, noble people, and the whole court life thing then was like, this, you know, you, you show up there and you got your image you know oh, absolutely. and the way you dress and the, and the manners manners came out of that to show you know you know what's up you're mm-hmm. of this certain level of breeding so it's like code for um, i'm a aristocrat than, yeah, yeah. An aristocrat yeah and and like the whole those people had nothing else the idle rich had nothing else to do but show up at court you know and fucking Standard, play cards and you know ride horses and
1: talk shit you know. about each other
0: yeah and the french version there's this you know the chevalier and you know um the english version is the cavalier which is what fucking virginia is named after and virginians really the people who came here and settled this were those kinds of fucking people that's why we we have so much of that left over from that kind of Victorian, it was not victorian but elizabethan yeah i think uh, absolutely court life but um anyway the two of them appear to be fairly upstanding people but he's a total piece of shit you know he fucks anybody and get his hands on you know and i mean he's just kind of addicted to you know um fucking you know fucking people he's not supposed to fuck and fucking up other people's shit by fucking that person yeah, right and then Glenn Close is also kind of um working i mean I guess she feels it's sort of a proto feminist kind of a thing where she feels imprisoned in her role, and so she's wrecking shit behind the scenes
1: right you know, and at the end of the movie, they both get outed, you know he ends up dead and in the last scene of the movie is the thing I remember is when she's standing there and appears at like the there's like the uh, it's like the con- They're at it's the opera like house the opera house and, yeah. they, and they don't say boo they say woo woo, everybody <laughs> yeah. <going> woo. Uh-huh. <laughs> I totally remember that and we
0: got that now I mean mm-hmm. except that it, I mean it's like it's happening constantly to people that have had these managed images and managed mm-hmm. personalities and we're finding out this little thing about him Louis CK likes to jerk off in front of women that you know, Kevin Spacey did this, Matt Lauer, did, Bill you know, Cosby. and they're oh, yeah. all stepping out into woo yeah, <laughs> for know, real.
1: and getting fucking totally taken down. You no, know, there's a thing about that, that, uh, I actually, um, I watched the, uh, the recent Dave Chappelle special mm-hmm. and, uh, I watched that too. It was fucking amazing. Yeah. I, I think that there are some really, really great parts in it. And the things that I like the most are the parts where he was saying some shit that wasn't supposed to be funny. And it mm-hmm. wasn't funny. He was just making a statement. As mm-hmm. a man in his 40s, you know, who's kind of been there and done it all and just coming back with a little bit of wisdom, thought it was great. And the thing that he said about the the movement that's going on with, you know, Me Too yeah. and stuff like that is that, um, you know, right now, everybody's scared. Right. And after a while, motherfuckers aren't going to be scared anymore. And right. And that's when you'll have a problem. You don't get real change out of fear. You don't get real change out of right. fear. And it was like, man... It's like, I remember sitting there and for shit, serious, this happened. I sat there and I was like, damn, what if, is that, am I in trouble if I think he's right? You know, and it was like, I was scared. I was scared to be Mm -hmm. like, damn, man, that makes sense. Because it's like, yeah, you're not going to get anywhere by just scaring people. Because after a while, you got nothing to lose. You know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm sorry to turn it around and bring it back to to the dude. But like Bukowski, he got beat. Um, every day, or like you know, four times a week by his dad, Mm -hmm. or like this leather strap, until he's about eleven years old, and before then the boy would just scream. You know, Mm -hmm. you're getting beaten, and then just one day he didn't say shit, and he said it was the worst thing that he defeated his father, and his Mm -hmm. father never beat him again, but he didn't fear him anymore. Mm-hmm. So what can you do to somebody that doesn't scare, that's yeah. not scared of you? You know yeah. that, I mean, you have no power over that. You have no control over it. And I don't think that it should be, uh, I think there should be a balance of power and a, and res- a mutual respect for both things. But I mean, just like beating a kid, you know, beating something into a corner is not going to scare no. they are going to retaliate. And then, be, then you got right. a bigger problem than you had before. And I think that like, uh, that that was cool, um, being able to hear that, and I thought that that was because I hadn't heard anybody really drop some some right now knowledge mm-hmm. that really needed to be said, and mm-hmm. regardless of um, what uh, the backlash was going to be from that, you know, I I appreciated that he had that to say because I think that's on a lot of people's minds.
0: Yeah, I, I it actually I have to say that I'm kind of it's cool that you brought it up because it really inspired me to get back into doing this because I stopped because I'm worried about the fuck am I going to say, you know, I don't feel like putting anything out there into this climate because it seems like the way it was in the French revolution bring it back to the French again, Mm -hmm. that once they got going with that guillotine, they just couldn't fucking stop cutting heads off, Yeah, you know, and anybody that had been even bourgeoisie, you know, like, I don't, maybe that didn't exist then. Um, but anybody was even like smelled like an aristocrat after they got done mm. killing all the fucking Royals and everything. They just to kill everybody that had what shit that we didn't have, you know, and like, just keep the blade sharp and the blood running and they fucking, I mean, and, and that's what this current thing on social media and in the world feels like to me right now is that we all rightfully are super disillusioned, confused, don't know where to fuck, where to go. There's definitely some kind of power, imbalance there's definitely change in paradigms going on there's need for more changes in paradigms and a lot of people feel confused and powerless and that is a valid fucking feeling but you know to lash out at the people that you perceive to be having something you don't have because you get an angle on them and then destroy their fucking lives that ain't the that is not the way to go um it just produces it just takes it underground you know, you just get smarter. You know, the people who are doing this shit—you haven't changed their values. You've made them savvier. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It's and,
1: like it's like uh, the uh, same thing that uh, I think Chris Rock was saying this in uh, off of um, Bring the Pain mm-hmm. is about the. He, he was like, I think all drugs should be legal because you take all the drugs away, and then you're going to have people in their basement like cooking up lime and beans and gasoline and you suck on that and you'll be fucked up, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you will find a way to, because people want to get high. Yeah. It's just like, you know, you're going to do all this stuff, um, to people that are doing these really, really bad, um, things to others. And you're going to make it so they get around getting in trouble. And then they think of these other ways of being right. able to do it that are under the, and it's just, uh, yeah, we, got, we got yeah.
0: real, I mean, I like, Dave Chappelle reminded me, and I have, you know, and it was listening to comedians on Mark Marin, too, that made me realize that I'd, I'd kind of written off comedy as a form of anything more than cheap laughs. You Dave know, Chappelle. I just kind of thought it was for dumbasses, you know, <laughs> like people like to chuckle huh, 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 at stuff. And I didn't. And I didn't always feel like that. I, mean, I used to love like everything: Bill Cosby, Buddy Hackett, Robin Williams, George right. Carlin. I mean, in the eighties. I watched every fucking thing HBO put Lost. on that was comedy. I had that yeah. shit me- memorized, you know, and and I forgot that these the good guys like r- take you on this journey, you know, Absolutely. and there's laughs all in there, but they're really trying. They all have a, they're driven by the same things that Charles Bukowski is driven by. They're driven by the same things that any, like, anybody with a, like a revolutionary zeal or an iconoclastic zeal, they're just looking at culture. They're looking at the world. They're seeing the absurd in it. And instead of it being tragic, it's comedic. That's why you get got those two masks side by side because yeah. they're
1: two sides of the same coin. Absolutely. You it's know? The, like the thin line between love and hate. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's just a different, it's a different way of talking about the same thing. You know, and and I think that Dave Chappelle did very bravely do his best with some of that stuff. And you ain't gonna—I mean, I read a couple of reviews of that thing after being like, especially the first one where he's in the big theater. Mm-hmm. I forget when that one's called, but that was m- fucking masterful. It was you know? called a
1: masterclass in comedy. It, was
0: it called that? Yeah,
1: the, it said that on the Netflix like description of it. it said, I mean, master class in comedy.
0: He, I mean, he the, he throws in some ch- a cheap ass punchline that he manages to pull a callback on after talking about some oh, fairly mean, profound
1: things. So I uh, kicked her in the park. yeah. That one, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty good. I
0: mean, two cool. different times, like you know, and like you totally forget. That he even gave you the punchline oh, already. And he was like, "I you gave know? it
1: to you. I told you. <laughs> I told you I was
0: gonna say. I still got you." Yeah, and and like yeah, the first thing he says after that is, "I didn't grow up in the ghetto. I grew up. Just, the spring, really. My parents yeah. did just well enough so I could grow up poor around white people." Yeah, you know, and absolutely. that and then boom, that takes your brain. You are like, you've been diverted from even thinking about that thing he just said, and you are like, "Wow, that is an interesting," you know, and he keep, like masterfully planning these things for you to think about, and then.
1: It was like Nas does not know the pain. The first time you spend the night over well, white people's house. <laughs> it was, it was funny. That <laughs> yeah. was really that was well I mean and you know that's the thing about what we were saying about comedy is that um you know the thing before when I was younger and then I used to watch stand up you said that like you used to watch HBO stand up specials and like then there was like I you know um oh there there were comics out there but Something with social media and with like net, like um I, I guess all the networks and just streaming and stuff is that they flooded the market with comedians, yes. mm-hmm. and that it's like no one stands out as much. I mean, people do stand out. Well, that happened but
0: in it, the eighties too. I mean, every every there was a fucking comedy club view. on every goddamn oh, corner true. and in every strip but mall. You, but
1: yeah, but see, it wasn't it wasn't put out there so that people could see it. Right, you know. I mean, it yeah. was still pretty fucking everywhere, like, oh, on sure, MTV, sure. you know, MTV and like, but not like to where there's this whole thing, like on Netflix, just stand up comedy right. where it's just, and you know, I know about 20% of these people. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, some of the like, know them actually have heard their stuff. And then there's people that I've heard the name mentioned before. And then there's people I'm like, I don't know who, the shit, right. who this fucker is, you know? Um, and I think that that kind of is a uh, thing that's going on and has been going on for our country, with our country for a long time, is that it's got to be more. It's got to be bigger. You've got to have mm-hmm. the big gulp. No, the super big gulp. No, the jumbo right. gulp. No, we will kill you gulp. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have to have the enormous fries. And then, you know, everybody on social media, or not everyone on social media, but the vast majority of people who do that are a celebrity in their own mind. Mm-hmm. And it's because you have this instant gratification that you can do this. You can do this. They did it with baseball cards and sports cards in the 90s. You, used to buy a bat, you, you could buy tops. You could buy Bowman, Donruss. There's like, four or five uh, style cards that you could get. Mm-hmm. And then you fast forward to five years later and there's an infinite number of uh, companies to where every pack has a game-used jersey card in it. Man, mm-hmm. I got one of those out of a pack one time. It was worth $200. That shit that I got that time out of a pack for $200 is worth 50 cents. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that sucks. Because mm-hmm. that was a game-used jersey Portion of this hockey player's jersey was Peter Bondra. Mm -hmm, His mm -hmm. jersey was on him, Mm -hmm. and now it's in my bait or my card, and that's not worth anything because you flooded the market with it. Like autographs aren't worth anything, comic books aren't worth anything. You know, they're remaking all the all the uh, movies. No, no one even has really a good idea. It seems like anymore, and it's just because instant gratification. You know, like in October. I was present for what became a double homicide and whoa, it sucked and it, it, it shook me up for quite a while. And I like, I don't have any PST PTSD from it, but I think of it on a regular basis. And, um, but the thing that was the most devastating about it was beyond these two men losing their lives, which is that's the most important thing but like on a deeper level is that people that were there were taking photos mm. and running from the scene with their camera to show that they were here and how upset and scared they were and look at me right. fuck you right like like but we, at the we, same time we can't that. be blamed Ugh.
0: For being like this, because you
1: know many years ago, when I uh, we can 't be blamed for this, but we can blame the people who started this because they know what they but it 's you know i mean we 're just we 're just all fucking mice yeah you know? i mean i
0: I agree with you, but I think it 's been i don 't think there was any fucking mastermind like uh, oh yes yeah, that, yeah, that, that said yeah, that said too much of a. we 're going to theory. control the American people, and we 're going to propagandize we 're going to turn them into this thing. It's a byproduct of something that we've been doing for a long time that I think we're at the point of like, we've, you know, I mean, I went to New York City when I was in my twenties, and I and I got to look behind the curtain of the great and wonderful Oz and see that there's just a handful of old men back there pulling these levers that are putting all this culture out here that I think is youth Move culture. Legs,
1: goddamn
0: <laughs> You know, it's not youth culture. It's uh, it it it's a it's a fucking product that those guys sure. they own everything. They own Rolling Stone. I mean, it's like Condé Nast owned everything in the fucking nineties, and um and Viacom owned everything uh, yeah, else. I remember Viacom. And uh, like I started to go, okay, so I need some I need something around that how do I get away from that you know, and it was kind of cool that New York City at that time was sort of also behind, like you were too close to it to be receiving the message they were putting out there, sure, you know it's like, because the beam was on the other side of you that's kind of <laughs> like the,
1: that's kind of like in the the um in like returning, uh, shit. Uh, the the last Jedi. The, I don't. I don't want to say anything about it. Uh-huh. But you know, it's just like kind of when enough people smaller, have seen it now. You, well, can you know, like a smaller plane is next to a bigger plane and it's quicker and they can't shoot it. Right, right. You know, kind of thing. Like you are right there at the foot of Mount Doom or, or like when in Mordor and they can't see you because right. you're too goddamn close. Right, you know? but they right. can fuck with people in Illinois mm-hmm. and Indiana mm-hmm. and people out there. You know, because right, they like can't the shoot that big gun at you when you're right up on the hull yeah, of the ship. The bl- their shit up yeah you yeah know. so
0: I, I i read this article when i came back from there it was about all of the different guys that started their own brands like skaters and shit like whether it's you know shepherds ferry or you know all these different people started they just were like mm, take i got this tag and put on a fucking t-shirt and i got a clothing line oh right okay. you know and and the guy were talking
1: about that in jerry Maguire, the soft drink the movie deal the the foot the shoe you know and
0: the guy writing the article said We, as subjects of this and as people brought up in this, have everything we need to know to create our own brand. And it's no surprise that these guys are stepping out the kids from the iconoclastic punk rock, you know, kind of underground are saying, Hey, I'm going to just go ahead and repurpose this. Like, repurpose everything else. I'm going to just, I mean, this is still just a fucking t shirt, but now it's got my logo on it and now it's worth 25 bucks. $7 It, $7 t
1: shirt. And then people and, will buy it because they mm-hmm. want that because it's already been fed to them. And so they,
0: you might as well, you know, take that over. So, I mean, right now, I, I mean, we're going, I think we're going through, um we have a, a, you know, this crazy revolution of intimacy where we know more than we ever used to know. And like when you find a band like Soundgarden, they had to get to a certain level in order to find their way to where you were. You know, oh, and yeah. they, and they had to be of a certain quality Absolutely. in order for somebody to put some money into them. And, then, and well,
1: I mean, that's the funny thing about that is that uh, like the Seattle thing, Soundgarden was the first of them to be signed to a major label, mm-hmm. and they were the last to take off hmm. um, because it was obviously Nirvana, you know, and Pearl Jam, and then right. Alice had taken off with Dirt. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they had had a jar of Jar uh Flies And you know And uh, the self titled And by then Soundgarden had released Like four or five records And like uh, Bad Motorfinger was on uh, Headbanger's Ball and stuff mm-hmm. But Right like Outshined was Pretty In Rusty Cage And that
0: was right along That was like The Jesus same Christ time Bros. That Nevermind Came out, came right? out yeah, It was like the, 91, 91.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah I think I think Bad Motorfinger was 91 And then Super Unknown was uh, Like 94 and by then Kurt had um you know it was the, that was the same year he had he had passed away mm-hmm. and then they Soundgarden had like five singles off right. of that and i mean like black hole sun was i mean there's kids singing in other countries that they don't have running water but they know right. black hole right. sun you know i mean that that became a a song of a of a generation and mm-hmm. that was kind of the last of those bands but what happened was record companies went out there and signed just right, they flooded that shit too right? yeah yeah they 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 um exploited it, and they gave kids record uh deals who had played two shows or something like that, and you know, and then vogue has this huge spread on the grunge look, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they. And like it, they didn't have a name for it, they didn't. It was just they were lived in Seattle. They right. wore this shit because well, we were
0: wearing it, that shit here. We were wearing <laughs> it here because they were Flannels. wearing it there. Uh, we were doing know? it before then. I was wearing fucking flannel tire around my waist and goddamn long johns under shorts combat boots. I didn't know it was all happening. I mean, that was it's just a thrift store.
1: Oh yeah. Thing. <laughs>
0: I, I don't know, but I'd seen somebody else I think with the Long johns under shorts before that that i was that I was trying to emulate, but that was the thing that was interesting is when that Seattle thing took off, Richmond was our we every there were people here already looking like that grunge thing, so Maybe, it just kind of <laughs> helped yeah. uh, but like like what you've been saying, and this kind of i mean it's you dropped this homicide thing, which I didn't want to talk about, but I was like while you were talking, I was formulating. You know, getting into the, the flooding of this thing. It's like the flooding of our receptors, you know? Like, too much pleasure, you can't feel pleasure anymore. Absolutely. Can't, too much pain, you can't feel pain anymore. Sure. It's always got to be a ebb and flow. It's yeah, got to be the space between the, you know. And, the, if and, you and, a, and, and if you don't have a balance, you don't learn anything. That's right. That's right. I'm and not. like the shit you were talking about before, where you, you come up against something, and then hopefully you fucking learn and you grow. And... We have so many things going on. A that like precludes that. Like you're not allowed to grow. <laughs> you're like that's it for you, motherfucker. Yeah. You know. You fucked up. You fucked up you're one done. time. You're done. And like, I mean, I've I'm really grateful that I did the majority of my serious fucking up before social media got like oh, it yeah. is now. And I'd already reformed, you know, <laughs> before this the, Facebook became what it is and all of this stuff. But like, it I I'm like, there's you don't. All of the people that I'm associated with in my like um, where I go to evolve, it's all about accepting people no matter how fucked up they are because they're there trying to be better. Sure. You know, and like they're not going to get better if they're not loved and accepted. You know, if they're told you're a pariah, you're a piece of shit, you're a bad guy. You're just going to get more of that from them.
1: Absolutely, you know that's the way they, to now, fucking guarantee. It, now that they don't have anything to lose. That's right. They have no fear.
0: That's right. You hate me? Oh boy, I'm just on now. I'll really, make you hate me. <laughs> and I don't even care if I go to jail, be, you know, or get killed or whatever, because nobody loves me anyway. Got nothing yeah. to lose, like you, you said. You're like,
1: this is how you hate somebody. I'll really teach you how to mm-hmm. hate somebody.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. and then I mean, and I, I've like we're we're we have too much access, and right or wrong, when marketing marketing has been. Uh, this thing that's been going on in our country since, I don't know, I mean, it's after the Industrial Revolution, and, and they were, we're trying to sell the things that we can make a lot of now. And so we make people, you know, apparently, the ad people got together and said, well, now we know how to make the washing machine. We need to make the perfect customer for the washing machine. And uh-huh. the propaganda of our country really started coming out of the private sector. These same guys like Viacom and Condé Nast, they started telling us who we were. And and, in the reality, this thing that people want to get back to, the Make America Great thing, that was just a marketing campaign. You know, the the post-McCarthy era, Eisenhower era, whatever, that that tract housing, June Cleaver war, Cleaver shit, that was a a made-up thing, just like the Nazis fucking people that they were... And the Russian people, they were putting on posters. It's like the same fucking thing.
1: Yeah, I mean... they. Same thing they did in China. But and, it didn't come from the you know, government. China. It came from the private sector. It came from the companies. Yeah. And, um, and they let them do it because they were getting a chunk
0: of that. Well, you, I mean, there's no, no nobody saw any harm in it. They're like, this is good for the economy. We're selling shit. People know who they are. They know what they're supposed to buy. Yeah. They
1: know where they're supposed to live. They know what they're supposed to but do. But at the same time, they're yeah. manipulating people and making people not be themselves and making people think that they needed to be what was on this call. And not how, they don't know how to choose. You know? Like... Oh, she's got on a polka dot dress and high heels and she's going to the store and I've just got this on and right. I'm less of a person because I don't look like that. And, and then like, you're
0: back out there like Glenn Close showing up at the you know fucking opera house ooh, like just to go to the goddamn grocery yeah. store. <laughs> yeah, I mean. But. So it w- w- now nobody is in control of w- the apertures that we look at. Like there used to be three channels, few radio stations, there's no one person in control of all of that shit. And so now there's all this shit coming at us, and we don't know how to curate all of it, mm-hmm. and we don't know what to do with all that information. And some of us have a head start because we've been used to just following our own instincts about things, and like what matters, but there's a whole lot of other people that have not cultivated that skill, that don't know what to do it, and they're just chasing their tail all over the fucking place. And I think this will eventually kind of you know we're going to come out the other side of this, and, and I think we're all going to be a lot more savvy. We'll be able to bring the same discernment to social media we bring to the shit we see in the grocery aisle, you know. Yeah, that's Star Magazine. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean. Like right now, people don't aren't able to because the, it's coming from their friends, yeah. but their friends didn't write that shit. You know, friends their friends are just, just
1: regurgitating whatever they yeah. just read. Their baby bird. And,
0: and, and the you know when I first got involved in. MySpace and Friendster, you did really trust the oh information. Oh my god,
1: I forgot about Friendster. Friendster right? Whoa. I never had that, but I remember that. But The <laughs> idea
0: is you were giving that to me. You know? <laughs> sure. Like, you wrote the content on your Facebook page. You didn't put a fucking link on there. You know, you were, and so I know you. I trust you. This is like there's a solid kind of a thing going on here. But we're now lazily just reposting things that we haven't even read because the headline agrees with our prejudice
1: or bias. The thing that would make you look like a fool. Yeah. You know, you know that's just one thing that uh, I think I've done a service to myself and also a disservice because I am. I am as a person. I am very obsolete. And why the um, fuck do you say that? Because I can't fucking do anything, man. I can turn on my microwave. Like, I mean, I can You get mean tech, you're technologically, technologically okay. uh, obsolete in a lot of ways. I've just got a bunch of uh, ideas and things that probably aren't as progressive as I think they are because I have purposely stayed away from a lot of shit. Like for a while, like I was off the grid as I can, as I possibly could be to live in a country that that is running water Mm -hmm. like i didn't have a bank account i could have had a bank account want one you know i didn't have a phone because fuck them Mm -hmm. i I didn't drive i didn't get in any trouble for these things these are just choices that i Mm -hmm. had because i just didn't want to be part of it which is immature but at the same time i don't think that's immature well i mean i think you're following a fucking instinct i mean you've it, (laughs) it was my instinct but it made things um less convenient for others because they in some ways had to pick up the slack because Ryan can't drive and he's got to be here. I got to go pick him up to do this because it's a wedding. But they obviously valued you enough to They do wanted that. me there. But it, after a while that kind of shit gets old. But, but I had, I just stayed away from things. And then like, but then when the, the social uh, network thing started, I got really into that. And, um, I got, uh, kind of obsessed with like Facebook, um, because that was the only. Well, I had done MySpace, but I got really obsessed with Facebook, and it almost became like that was the real world. Mm-hmm. As as weird as that sounds, that that is the real world, and I that was one of the things I
0: ruined. You actually ruined thought me- that you were getting what you. The illusion is now, because the it was like that at one point that you're able to be connected to people you couldn't be connected to otherwise, and that's still somewhat true. But and that was the initial reason. In why the midst of that there. is all of that fucking advertising and bullshit that we just were talking about with that the marketing companies. Sure. You know, Now it's Zuckerberg and Google and all these fuckers have figured out how to give us the illusion of choice and control while they're really giving us limited choice and limited control. And I'm talking about being woke. You got to realize that, you know, that, I mean, shithole country comment comes out and then you feel it's your fucking obligation to comment on that. I say, let it die, you know, because, you know, the, the thing is, I don't, I don't like fucking Donald Trump at all. I mean, I, I've, I said, this guy's not fit to be president from the very beginning. Yet at the same time, I don't, I don't automatically believe that he said that just because somebody said he said that and then it fits the profile of something he would say sure and i we, mean
1: that's playing the devil's advocate that's very fair to say
0: well, and it's really about being discerning about the information that you are believing and sharing you know say, like, don't
1: take all this information over here but you you know whatever we say is okay as
0: long as it confirms yeah. what you already fucking think sure. you know but then the way that it is shared on there is i mean go into Starbucks and just shout your latest status update at all the people in there, you know, because that's really what you're doing now. It's not like it was when it's MySpace, where it's intimate and private, and, and you purposely go to this person's thing to right. talk to them. No, you're putting it out there. Yeah, you're putting this out there over and over again, and and generally it's basically just the anger that you've in frustration that you feel about your and life.
1: then you have the instant gratification to burn. Many bridges and fuck your whole life up for being an
0: equally miserable people like like what you say and
1: well i mean that's that's the thing is that like uh you know i ended up um there are a lot of reasons why things happen but like i i was having a lot of uh issues with just being addicted to uh the internet and i ended up going through divorce and um that obviously wasn't the main reason, but that definitely was a factor. Is that I was too fucking on that on that thing all the time, worrying about this band and doing my thing and all this shit. That I left somebody on a couch, kind of lonely, and that sucked. But um, so I didn't, I didn't fuck with it for like three years, and um, then at the my guitar player asked me to get back on Facebook. Shit. I just hold on a second.
0: Yeah. I gotta pause for a second, man. Do you remember what you were saying?
1: <laughs> it was um
0: the sixty-four thousand dollar Stoner Pyramid.
1: Yeah, what did I say? For
0: the top prize, what were we just talking about? Yeah. I have no idea. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well, you were talking about how you got absorbed oh, yeah, in yeah. the social media. Totally yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah, so I
1: got a. Uh, so I got off uh it was at the uh, insistence of uh, of my guitar or Adam and Gritter, is that he was like, you know, you're the you're the front man of the band, and it, it would really uh, it would really be cool if you would actually get back on there and start doing this. And I was like, well, I'm doing Facebook, and he's like, or I, I'm doing Instagram. He's like, you need to get on the other thing. And I was like, after bitching and moaning, I decided I'd do it, and um, I do. And I post on there very infrequently. It's like every few days when it's something I'm promoting that I'm doing, or maybe I wrote a poem Where did you post the thing, because
0: I've been wanting to get to this, uh, where you were like, the name of the record is Nobody Cares. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? And you're like, yeah, I've been in this band for a while, in and out of it, been back in it for, what, a year? It was your post. We've like, we made a record. I think it's really great, and I know nobody is.
1: I was like, yeah, I was like, <laughs> let's tip our hat to nobody giving a shit. It's called nobody cares, right? You know, we're playing this show at this date with these guys, and they're our friends. So, join us unless. You know something cooler is going on, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, fuck you, motherfucker.
0: Well, and and what this brings me back to, instead of that being a bitterness thing. Oh, right, oh I, I'm, I'm nah, You're bitter.
1: Nah, I, I'm a bitter asshole, but I was actually doing it more tongue in cheek to be kind of funny with the record or the record name.
0: I've been talking about this for a while on here because I worked for a couple of record labels in my time, and I was really and I also used to write record reviews, and I was really. Very into the whole music business, music scene, music culture. I mean, I didn't like the mainstream business. I like the underground, sure. the indie, the punk, the, that stuff. Um, but the paradigm has has changed, and and we still talk about so much how un- like unfair that is. And I'm not saying it's. I, I don't have any sympathy for this situation, but I kind of tend to see it as an opportunity more than a problem. Now it does suck that there are people who are getting rich on music, but it's not the musicians. <laughs> but that was always the case, like, you know, oh, sure, mostly sure, the sure. case, you know, record labels, they had to make a product and ship the product and and advertise the product and all that kind of stuff. And I just think that a lot of people didn't think about what they were getting into with record labels, and record labels weren't going to tell them what they were no, getting absolutely, into. Absolutely not. And, um, and and we're in a, you know, I don't think it's only been, I feel like, the 20th century where musicians could expect to become wealthy because they wrote a hit song and then be getting royalty checks for that for like the rest of their life, you know and i I'm sad for many people who counted on that to happen that that doesn't happen anymore, but I'm also psyched because I'm, I'm i mean I'm also a musician, and I have no desire to break new ground with that. I just want to do it you oh, know yeah, sure I just want to like be like you said about you read those books that those guys wrote, and the way they made you feel, you wanted to make. You first, you want to get inside that, and then and then be one of those people that passes on that feeling. And I think that has to be what drives you to make any art now. And I think that if that is what's driving you to make art, people will find you, you know, and you'll get enough out of that. <laughs> you know, you won't be put into that fucking soul killing shit that like David Bowie ended up in, where he's like hold up. You know, doing cocaine. Oh, the
1: the Berlin trilogy?
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think he went to Berlin to get off Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, he got off of it. Yeah, but, you know, he got into serious cocaine psychosis, you know, from having that much money and also being propelled to that height of, you know, celebrity and everything, which ain't no good for anybody, you know. Because you're, like you said, this grip on, you're practicing having your grip on reality, you know, having a fucking place, you know, something of a perspective, but it is an ongoing practice because things are always changing. Things are always shifting. But as long as you were practicing that and the pop term for it that is connected to old shit is mindfulness. It's like, you're aware you're thinking about what the fuck is going on. You're looking at it and you're questioning your own reactions to things and you're questioning what's going on. And you're not taking anything for granted, and this is a workout. It's a constant workout, and you develop more and more skills for being able to sift through this shit. You don't have to fucking react to Absolutely. it. You don't have to go. You can be offended without
1: hurting somebody for hurting you. You know, and, <laughs> and you know what? But that's one thing about like that I'm really happy about with like social media is that like I was telling a friend of mine recently who got on there and he ended up burning some bridges and it was like you know what I'll tell you this dude I'm older than you and whenever I'm pissed off or upset or anything like that the last fucking thing I want to do is go write anything on the internet because Mm -hmm. I'm going to inevitably regret what I have said and I would rather um, not do that so like now a a photograph that you put online and then you have like a a little commentary on it is one thing. But mm-hmm. then when you go into these, you where you're airing your dirty laundry right. online and just humiliating yourself and other people, then getting in all these fights and then look at this shit. I just took, look, you know, look at my, look at my shark. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, dude, there's so much. And like, I mean, I, I just being away from it for three years. Um, I, I honestly don't miss it at all. Like I do this thing for a specific reason and then there will be a few people that like I'll take a shit at work, you know, or something like that and I'll scroll through the thing and then there's somebody I know and I'm like, oh, all right. You know, and it's some – an old friend or something like that and I'll just – my my aunt might be on there. Mm -hmm. You know, I've talked to her and I just – oh, hey, you know. But I mean for the most part, I just look at people and it's just – people just ripping each other apart. Online, and everybody is some armchair philosopher and political analyst and it 's just like it 's either that or they are so nestle quick, sweet and mm. wise nice and wonderful <laughs> that it 's disgusting that it 's like <laughs> really you 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 were really saying this to Barbara that you met seventeen years ago that one day at the flea market about how she is a courageous woman like fuck off mm-hmm. you know and that, that kind of stuff yeah we, is, both sides you know, of it,
0: right you said both both extremes of it, and both poles of it are inauthentic, and it's very un- inauthentic, yes and it's only just occurring to me that this isn't that much different from when you're driving your car and somebody cuts you off, and you're like you fucking piece of shit you inhuman fuck like yeah. you would never say that to, to a the person, person that bumped into you in line at starbucks right absolutely not because you're engaging you uh, have you, to talk to them
1: that and hey, you oh it's okay man because they're looking at you
0: there, but you're also engaging – I think you're engaging a lot more of your senses when you're around a person. Certainly. When you're fucking on a computer, you're just – there's this – it's like you're you're whittled down to that addictive thing, you know, the fucking rat that pushes the pellet so it gets yeah. the zing in its Absolutely. electrode. and it, And really, you're fucking getting into that edginess of like an addict – you know, and it's like, like,
1: there's almost, there's only an enemy or an ally, an so, angel or an right. enemy. Right. You know? Or
0: there's only pleasure, or the lack yeah. of pleasure is somehow a fucking, uh, is pain, you know? So if you start scrolling through your feed and there's nothing about you or nothing good, or you, you went on your Facebook and there's no notifications that somebody liked something of yours, or there's nothing about you on and there. they did. It was something
1: from a long time ago that you don't care about anymore. Right. And it's like,
0: How come you never like my fucking pictures on problems? Instagram? So then then you turn that you're like somebody's denying you your hit so then you turn around and yeah, like you lash out absolutely right <laughs> I mean that's the most absurd thing to me that Light. This is the
1: land of make-believe, and you guys are arguing. There's about. some
0: etiquette to fucking, <laughs> like, I mean, I put shit on Instagram for a bunch of different reasons. Sometimes I think I see something really cool, and I'm like, I, you got to see this thing I just saw. Sometimes I think, see, I'm like, let's just fuck with this and put something really lame on there. But I had never knew that kids in high school, they have... The, this almost total Lord of the Flies thing about liking and commenting on each other's pictures oh, on yeah. Instagram. that, that you it can never
1: like your own. It's and like.
0: Yeah. And it's all code. It's all coded stuff. Like, uh, it's almost like mating ritual shit. You know, it's certainly. all weird socialization, cue, q- code crap. And like, how did it get to be so significant? You know? And I have friends my age who have said, you know, I like your stuff all the time and you never, like my things and i'm like what (laughs) i (laughs) like i don't fucking pay attention to them i I mean you could just give give me a call sometime yeah you know but i mean and i get i i i I am just as guilty of this as anybody so i'm not trying to sit here and judgment it's just like i'm getting a grip on it like you know my my little hand squeezy workout thing i'm like what is it about this that is vexing me it isn't just that um, folks are taking it upon themselves to be a lynch mob over and over and over again it 's something that i don 't think any of this information that we 're sharing is real and i don 't even I think we are totally getting played i think we 're we 've all been thrown in the arena
1: or maybe we 're just being entertained
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Diverted blood, sp- I mean, it's the it's the old Oregon. Roman form of yeah. the blood sport, like all of that existed to distract the fucking masses Absolutely. from what the fuck was going on. And we were, and, and there's all of us on there thinking we we're anarchical and revolutionary and all this kind of shit all on dog, Zuckerberg's man. platform. Yeah, yeah, that's where the revolution
1: it's, is. I'm really gonna make a difference at mom's house, <laughs> you know. I mean. Listen, you all might pay the bills and mortgage and you own the cars. You pay for my clothes and my food and everything. But look, I'm going to set some shit straight right now, That's motherfucker. That's right, right. This is how it is going to be. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, I'm
0: just – I'm not trying to fucking make fun of anybody. It's just like I'm, I'm waking up from this shit and I'm going – I mean, earlier on, I was offended by things that people I had recently met were posting on Facebook. So I invited them to come over and be on my podcast. And I was like, these guys are nothing like what they're posting. You know, they're not, they don't appear to be angry. They seem to be pretty cool. And we're having an awesome conversation. We're really connecting because we're engaging a lot of other intuition that we have while we're in front of each other, you know, it's a totally different thing. There's no threat here, you know, like there's no anger, whatever. We can have a reasonable conversation. We can catch social cues from each other and it's a real nice
1: thing, but that does not exist in that other Medium. Well, I mean, you know? th- think about it. Before that, we before we had this, then all people could do was yell at each other on the phone, yeah, and, over the phone. And then when they would be in front of each other, then it would be a little bit different mm-hmm. because now you're actually experiencing this person right here, and you can feel fr- flesh gripping yours, kind of shit, right? You know? And and then if you think of... so, there was that kind of a uh, bit of a security blanket mm-hmm. um, with the telephone, and that was then. But then. Before then, it was in letters, you know, and then before then, it was just you had to just fucking look at this person mm-hmm. and, and say, I think, I mean, you know, it's just this makes everybody a fucking a bully and makes everybody a hero at the same right. time. And everybody is a victim and everybody is a martyr and everybody right. is this and everybody's this. And nobody's any of that shit.
0: None of, of it. It's what? all fake. It's, it's all bullshit.
1: It's, man. It's Halloween every day on the fucking Internet. It's dude. all blood, it's blood sport. like, hey. You know, I mean, I, like I, I'm guilty of this because I think it makes the pictures look better. But I'll use the filters and stuff like that. But really, it's like that's not what it looked like. Mm-hmm. It makes it look better. <laughs> yeah, and yes, it does look better. It looks better like that because I can see what that looks like, and I can see what somebody that looks is like. eventually and black and white is cool, but that's not what happened.
0: Right? We're you know? all catfishing on all of these different yeah. fucking levels, and eventually somebody fi- sees behind your curtain. Absolutely. And sees the fucking sorry ass, pathetic person (laughs) that is pulling these levers. This guy's got
1: fried (laughs) chicken in his trash can from last month, man. The maggots died.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's, you know, I mean, I felt like the revolution of. The fact that we move the, – the move was away from advertising, which is total falsehood, total illusion, total bullshit to branding, which is people can see through your bullshit easily and then they communicate with each other. So you got to start walking it like you talk it. Mm-hmm. And I thought this is yeah. exciting that we're moving in that direction. And most of the stuff that's happened to people like Matt Lauer, NBC does not give a fuck about no. that. But they give a fuck that they're gonna, people are going to stop watching the Today they, they Show if they don't they fire that motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. You they give a fuck about that, but fuck that guy. Fuck with their money,
1: you know. But if Michael Quiglione was able to kill Fredo, then NBC could get rid of Mal Auer, and, you know? and I do think that, it, you know,
0: I am becoming more aware of things that I casually say that are I have... As a person like Dave Chappelle, who is... I'm the same age as him. He might even be a year younger than me. And I grew up with this notion that people say hurtful things to each other and we all just sort of have to toughen up and it's okay and just like deal with it yeah but we on the and like you were saying too earlier that it's i could see this kind of from both sides the toughening up thing means getting over yourself a little bit because Stop you sorry can't for function I've been told if that you're my whole covering life. you're sticking your head you're, you know you're in a fucking fetal position yeah. uh, of all the time because the world is going to hurt you and you can't go through this world protected from all forms of pain so you you need you do need to learn how to handle that but on the other side is it so crazy that we might be moving in a direction where we could make each other we could make all of each other safer you know out there that we could be aware like why does it have to be lord of the flies in high school mm-hmm. why do i have to go through the what what did uh um Howard Stern called the trial by water, you know, of taking showers with people in the fucking boys' locker room and getting mocked and oh, getting geez. made fun of. You know, they never made humiliated. us do that
1: in high school. We didn't have to. We didn't have. To I went to showers. fucking
0: Henderson, man, and like I was in there taking showers with guys that <laughs> they looked a lot different for me,
1: you know, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and like it kind of got to the. I mean, and that
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: have you ever heard of this comedian John Mulaney? Yeah. John Mulaney, he was talking about how before he hit puberty, he would answer the phone and his voice sounded like a little flute. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just imagining. Yeah, Yeah, little flutes. (laughs) It sounded like a little flute. (laughs) Um, That's the kind of thing we're talking
0: about, little flutes. And so there are so many things about us that we make the cop out. Well, that's just human nature. You know, but we have transcended so many. Right. We've transcended so many of those things. Okay. It's human nature to walk on the fucking ground, but we can fly in airplanes. You know, we can fly in fucking spaceships. So, where it it seems like it's convenient where we decide that we're not going to change and we're not going to evolve culturally and grow, and we just are like going to. Well, that's our whole thing—is we're expanding the limitations that we were kind of born with as human beings. You know, these arms and legs. I mean, all of these tools—whether it's a hammer, my hand's not hard enough to pound a nail in, but I can make a hammer and then I can knock a nail in. And the same goes: computers and all of this stuff. Our whole, our nature is to transcend our limitations. So maybe I do need to be sensitive. When I'm just saying something casually misogynistic at work and be aware that if I was a woman and I heard that, that I would feel then that maybe this is a hostile environment and that this guy maybe isn't my friend and maybe isn't my, you know, is somebody I can trust. And although that's not true, I could understand how I could give that impression. I don't want to give that impression. So I should be aware, but I don't, I don't like the fact like we talked about earlier that you got to get there through fear. You know, or that you might lose your job. Well, that's still fear. You know that that the consequences of not of, being that way,
1: instead of having compassion and empathy, instead of a consequence where my life is fucked up because I said made this lewd comment in a moment of stupidity, instead of I hurt this person's feelings and I should I should be held accountable for mm-hmm. that and and actually be empathetic and then know and actually feel another person on a different level because all anybody cares about is themselves and to (laughs) actually just stand in line and know that like I'm talking loud on my phone or I'm Mm -hmm. saying this or saying this. And there's this person that's standing next to me who can hear everything that I'm saying and I'm disrupting them, Mm -hmm. you know, because I don't care about them. Mm -hmm. All I do is care about my fucking self. And, you know, I think that's the, uh, that's the downward spiral that we're in right now. And there was a movie that came out. Um, I think it was 2012 or something. It's called God Bless America, and it had Bill Murray's brother. I think his name is Joel Murray. And it was directed mm-hmm. by Bobcat Goldwave. Mm-hmm. And there is a line in it that was, "What is the point of having a civilization if we are no longer civilized?" Right. And it was. It was. That that really resonated with me because it's just like, yeah, what the fuck, man? And he was putting everything that was... It, it, the things that were in this movie were just really important at the time, like American Idol. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just how they would just just trash people. And and he was like, it's the new Coliseum. You know, these people are just getting ripped apart for character flaws. or right. Or for looking a certain way, you know, when it's like, you've seen Joe Pesci. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not a pretty man. Right. Is an excellent actor, Mm -hmm. you know, but it seems like those actors are getting pushed out like blackheads more and they're being replaced by, in some fields, better looking people, you know, and these more unique looking people are... um, Seeming to be more of mascots, mm-hmm. not mascots, but um, right, dude, right, the, uh, the uh, that's comic a, relief or the not, the sidekick, the more just like a novelty, mm-hmm. you know. It's just like, or it's a big deal that this leading lady is not attractive, you know. She's right. like, why do you fucking care? I mean, it, it, it's just. It's this combination just, of stuff. I mean, it's, it's, just it's talked change, about right, so you know? much
0: like somebody is actively doing this to us, but it's much more we're doing it that ourselves. That we we say we like beauty, so they say here's more beauty, and then we are like okay, we like that beauty. Okay, well here's even more of it. Then we and then we, and then we because start it's too pretty. Yeah, in this particular, and then we get our taste buds set for a particular thing, and then we can't taste any other kind of beauty. Yep, and. I, I, it's a
1: collaborative
0: effort Tablo's I guess dogs, is what I'm getting
1: Tablo's at dogs man we're, we're conditioning ourselves and
0: we do have a lot of choice in this but we've got to really get woke and step back from all of this stuff that we're plugging ourselves into and I'm not saying this shit's bad it's just like you got to go into it with a grip on reality you know Yeah, and can't let this be your
1: reality and um and if you think about it it isn't reality it's, no it's, because it's on the internet and it's what they're it's their version of reality that they're giving us and you know and to be and uh like to be the devil's advocate in in a lot of ways when it comes to the quote-unquote cosmos of of stuff they do have a better grip on reality because they do know what's actually really going on more than us ants do Mm -hmm. you know us field mice actually know what's going on but but we need to, I, I think that as, as a people, and shit, I'm, I'm fucking guilty of it as well. Um, I think we need to step away from that and be able to remember what it was like to not have that. Well, the big the workout news, so is stepping away.
0: You know, the big the big <laughs> exercise is to step back from yeah. your fucking emotional reaction. The, that does not mean the emotional reaction should be denied. It means that you have it. And you pause, and then you go, "What would be the
1: appropriate thing to do with this?" To not order? say that, yeah. How, How not about to, you write it down on a piece of paper, and then look at it, and then leave it there, and say, "Yeah, I really showed him." Yeah. And then you go back and look at it after you've calmed down, and go, "God damn it, Man, that <laughs> away." Yeah. Don't do, you know, once you're off that high, when you've come yeah. down from that
0: fucking cocaine buzz of anger, absolutely. You know, then you've made, you've got different that there's just little level, different levels of consciousness in us, you know, and we, we should allow them all to come into play. And somebody said to me when I was writing record reviews a long time ago, he was like, I think you should do this. I think you would be a good writer. And here's what I think you should do. You write the record review and then sit it there. And come back to it the next day and edit it. Absolutely, you know. And I start and I started doing that. A lot of times, I would cringe when I came back to him. It be, even though at the moment I was writing, I was like, "Oh my god, this is so this good, is man! I'm fucking awesome." Yeah, this I come again, This isn't this Dennis Miller bullshit, <laughs> man. There's a lot of you know. And then you, you know, you're so you're in two different. You can be your own editor. You're in two different moods when you read it. You
1: know? <laughs> There's this, uh, this above par. Sean Connery movie called um, Finding Forrester. I remember that, yeah. And he was like, you go in and you write with your heart and then you write with your mind.
0: <laughs> you know, and it was like, I, I
1: always remembered that. And it, it was just like, yeah, man. Yeah, you, you said it, dude. You you had it, man. It was, you go in and you say everything that you feel. And then you go back and you say, shut up, you. And mm-hmm. then you erase all the shit that sucks. And then mm-hmm. you write like a person that actually has some intelligence. And then you... Both make sense,
0: and even you know. that. As much as I do value that, when it comes to especially if I'm going to give somebody something to put in their valuable space in their paper, oh,
1: absolutely, you got to. Resp-
0: I do this this way because I think sometimes there's something I would edit that somebody else might dig, so I just leave it there. Sure, that's why I don't edit these things. That and I'm lazy, but <laughs> like I, I truly believe that whatever is said when these mics are on needs to be said. I may not be the one that needs to hear it. You know, and, and also I think the vulnerability of saying I'm willing to make missteps and fuck up and say dumb shit on here is hopefully I think inspires somebody to say, it's not that big a deal to be wrong. You know, it doesn't fucking like, you know, devalue the entire enterprise because there's this and that in here. I mean, the whole, the holistic picture is
1: cool. Like it is. We, we, I mean, I think that's something that's, uh being lost in what's going on right now and in our quest for humanity as a people we're forgetting what it's like to be human beings mm-hmm. and making everybody held accountable and making everybody have to be martyrs or or um, fucking he-man you know these bionic people having to do these bionic things and it's just like yeah man I'm a shit solid for a week you know <laughs> and it's like I'm a human being as fuck you know, and mm-hmm. I think that's what we have forgotten about is with the social media shit is with like, like even even modern music, you know, I mean, it's different. It's not what it was before, you know, like even the shit that I play is not what it was before where you have a fucking band in a room and a microphone and mm-hmm. you take. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we don't do that anymore. And it's like, that's not real. That's not who we are, you know. And I mean, and that's the way it, it is, is that in our search and uh our quest for perfection and ultimate humanity, we completely forgot what it was to be a bleeding heart and Mm -hmm. to be a pussy, Yeah, you know, to actually be a wimpy person, you know, and it's okay. And then be able to grow from that and say, I'm bigger and stronger now because I knew what it was like to be like that. And I don't want to be like that. And now it's actually a good thing to not be that it's Just strange to not have it's any almost, almost like, like we, not having any respect for yourself right you know?
0: it, it's i mean i went through an incredible experience over the last nine years especially from like 2008 to when i moved back here in 2012 and it involved a complete tear down of everybody everything i thought i was and a complete like rebuilding with the help of a whole lot of other people and i had to get some humility and i had to hear shit i didn't want to hear and i had to trust people i had no reason to trust and like it was my basic training it was my like You know, you've had a whole bunch of misconceptions about stuff that are fucking with you, and all of your fellow human beings are helping to realign you, you know, and get you into the mainstream, the consensus reality thing. And that was an extremely valuable thing for me to have to go through some shit where people said to me, hey, man, you're a very selfish, egotistical guy, you know, but they were saying it like, let's fix that. Sure,
1: you know, not, not they, trying to bring you down, but try to bring you up by bringing you down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You like know. first, you got to look at this shit, yeah.
0: man. And it's not like you chose that; like you this somehow had, ended up like that as a, a defense yeah. thing. And you come out of there, you know, get out of that fucking hole, you know, and come out here and join us, you know, in the human race. And and like, don't be such so, And so, I think that I, I want for people what happened for me, you know. Um, I want people to get challenged and get broken down a little bit. But I think that in this weird way, we are choosing mediocrity because we are not going to allow the eccentricity of the geniuses Absolutely. in this world. That we need them to be just like us. But if they're fucking just like us, then they are not going to make it anything. We're just going to kill that whole class of people because they're not perfect. Always, you know?
1: We've always shot down the one who stood up for the others and did something different. Yeah. You know, so we're
0: going to wind. I mean, I think this is one of the. We're even more than destroying this planet. We might be destroying our entire species. Absolutely. By saying that we have no tolerance for that veering out of line thing, like you know, because the people, the artists are on the fringe, and you push them there to begin with, because of them not being accepted. And now you You got rid
1: of them and you made the popular kid in class. Yeah, and then
0: they find this way back in to be useful by making art or something. And then you go back to them and you say, you're this imperfect being. We don't give a fuck about your art if you're a piece of shit. You know, you got to go with your art. Goodbye. Get the fuck out of here. Get back in the woods. And it's this like reverse survival of the fittest thing. Like, um, you know, the Spartans would just kill a kid that didn't look like he was going to grow up big and strong. We're just like, kill them if they're not some unrealistic version of what we think people are supposed to Absolutely. be. You know, I mean, I don't know, man. It, 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 it concerns me. But I got hope that I think this is a growing pain. And I think that we're going to learn like. We're gonna get better at this. I think. You know?
1: I think that. Um, I think that the way that that is actually is a feasible thing that can happen is that um, if people actually start to look at themselves and to actually hold themselves accountable for things they do wrong and to be okay with doing something wrong, even if what they did wrong is fucked up, and they did something or said something that's fucked up, like I went through a breakup recently. I did some fucked up shit, you know? Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and it sucks. And it's made me actually look back at myself and, and try to act as a person differently and, uh, handle situations differently. And then like, you know, I'm having a bad day and, Now that I'm back on this website that I'm not going to just go ahead and just say whatever I feel right now because I'm feeling it right now and I don't know how to be a fucking 35-year-old and just fucking deal with it and then sit Mm -hmm. there and act like a human being and go jerk off or go (laughs) smoke some fucking weed and sit down and shut up, you know? Take a minute. Take a minute and fucking relax. Have a Twix. Yeah, have a Twix. Have two, (laughs) You know, You know what I mean? But it's like it sucks. But... Life isn't supposed to be great, you know. I mean, if it was, then we wouldn't have winter. We wouldn't have shit that sucks. We wouldn't well, how, have fires. How do you, you, how do you even anything, know what's you know? awesome if you don't experience the suck? There we go. If we know? didn't have, all, if we had nothing but pleasure, we would not know pain. Which it's nice to not, po- no pain. Why pain everything failure. that requires a context, but to have, and meaning, have context and you know? have growth, you need to have something that sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like branches fall off of trees. You know, animals' babies die, people's babies die, buildings fall down. None of these are good things. Rocks even break. But but we don't even know. know if they're good things or bad
0: things because but they are, they're just things. Right. Man. Like good and bad is is it ain't over till the fat lady sings and so many times in my life, seemingly bad thing based on my present desires happens, and then it leads to something that I didn't know I wanted. You yeah. know? And bam, there I am. And then and it's just an endless cycle of like this thing that I think is bad, based on my perspective at the moment, and then a little time passes and it turns out to be good, you know. And good and bad and good and bad and good and bad, and it's all a matter of perspective, you know. There's definitely shit that is an exception to that, you know. But the the, the attachment to the idea that if life ain't perfect, you're doing something wrong or you're being tortured or whatever, that you just got to get rid of that, you know. Throw that out and get a little bit more again. Keep working out, getting your grip yeah. on reality as reality is, not reality as you want it to be. But just how it actually really is. And yeah. and I I have to fucking man, I got to wrap this up. Cause, oh man, and, all good. I
1: just finished my my beer. You got your you finished
0: your last beer. Your hams. Is that the same thing that Matthew McConaughey's drinking? in um,
1: I don't fucking know. What is. He drinks. I know. No, that no. This but is it's cheap not, as shit. It's oh, not, what
0: like a dazed of confused? No, no. In the other no. in um. True detective. He's sitting oh, there philosophizing while drinking Ham's beer. These are these are.
1: <laughs> I, I found this and um, like I've been. I for uh, of late I, I've broken this rule because I just needed to, but I, I've been kind of sticking away from bars and it's just been kind of going going away from alcohol. But yeah, going through kind of a shitty experience, a shitty couple months. You know, yeah, falling back uh, off the wagon. But it's been all right. Um, I've been safer about it <laughs> but uh, yeah I found these for 3.99 for a six pack and tall boys yeah that's tall what he's boys drinking and it's like you know what I mean that's that's $4.20 with tax I'm at home I'm only having these if I finish them and I feel like that's that's far better than the uh the alternative of spending $32 at the bar and then yeah. I'm driving home or I'm sleeping in my car or I'm buying an Uber to buy another one the next day. Now I'm going to get Yeah, I had to get of out of that entire
0: up. transaction a few years ago. But your the book thing with Clay uh Clay Blancet is January 18th. Jan- January 18th. Great. And I'm going to try and get both of these up before that cuz I got the one with him.
1: Then Gritter's record release that's uh, going to be January 27th at uh that's going to be January twenty seventh at Wonderland with Mammoth Black and He Wolf and the uh, and He Wolf is old
0: Johnny Throckmorton, Johnny right? Throckmorton, yeah, of yeah. Alabama Thunder Alabama Pussy. Thunder Pussy. I saw him do the uh, Elvzig. Yeah, I fucking missed shit. everything from of <laughs> presence
1: this year. I'm an asshole. So
0: awesome, um, and and. Uh, are you still doing the thing with
1: the Jonathan, the black LLC? Oh yeah. 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 We're um, tentatively, we, we got the uh, confirmation. Um, we, I don't think a date has been set. It's supposed to be something in February, but we're tentatively supposed to go down to Asheville and record a track or two with uh, Claude Coleman uh, for ween. Sweet. So he's going nice. to do some, do some stuff. And when, it doesn't hurt that uh, Mickey, who's Dean ween, um, Likes our band, mm-hmm. and we've we've hung out several times. He's he's, he's very fun to be around. Mm. He's, he's an excellent dude. Imagine, yeah. You know, I, I I gotta admit, I uh, fanboyed because I had chocolate and, and cheese named when I was dropped. a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> no that's gotta, all right. Gotta, you gotta, gotta do it. got do that. No, I, shameless. Well, and I was twelve years old. I had chocolate and cheese, and Ween was awesome. And then I am thirty two years old, or thirty three years old, and I am in New Hope, Pennsylvania, with Dean Ween. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Hey, man, could you?" Can I get a picture with you? And he just kind of looked at me and just kind of had this almost irritated look and then his face softened and then he goes, "Only if I can take it, motherfucker." And then he <laughs> took, and then he took the <laughs> picture and it was great because it was just like, ah, I was I was like he was had like, a Twix should... too in that moment. He, he had two. He had Twix. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't share with me. <laughs> well,
0: that's awesome, dude. I look forward to checking that out and you got to teach me how to sing like you do with that growl, man. That's a hard thing to Cultivate. Oh, you know? hey, I can the, sing
1: clean, but getting that the Zen of screaming is what helped me out a lot. It's this. Uh, it's this uh, doc or like how to or documentary, if you call it, by uh, Melissa Cross, and she is a uh, vocal instructor. And it has one D. Randall Bly from uh, oh, from uh, Lamb of God from Richmond on it. And oh, yeah? uh, he suggested to me that I got it. And I'll shit you not, man. I used to get migraines. By the third song of band practice and lay on the floor and try and do it. And it sounded like shit. And I got that. And I can't say I was the best student at watching that and religiously following the stuff I was supposed to, but I got an idea of what I was supposed to do, and now I don't have any problems at all with doing that. That's good to hear, because yeah. I've been trying to... I have this one song, it's
0: just a three-minute, you know, like Downstroke thing It's actually a cover of another band, and there's a part where, I mean... It, the, the, it gets to this intensity and I'm trying to play guitar and scream like that and I fucking get close to passing out and my asshole hurts. It's <laughs> yeah. you know? called the dump. It's about the fucking shart right there. All right. Yeah, man. yeah.
1: that's a fucking shart. <laughs> Call Sean here.
0: We, we looped it right back around. Yeah. All right. Thanks for coming by, man. Yeah, Curtis. Thanks for having me, man. I bet you have that. I bet you that's more times than you really care to hear the chart discussed in one podcast. But hey, when God gives you a callback, you use it. It's the first rule of uh, anything comedy, arguments, uh, resentments, cooking, I don't know. Everything. Callback. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. I got about three podcasts in the can now. God damn, I got to get up off this mic so the keys don't. This seismic fucking interruption here. The fucking red lines, it's just one beat. Red line. Blam. Pow. Hey, it's good to be back on the mic with you guys, and uh, it's good to be talking to my fellow Richmonders. That's what this is all about it's me connecting with my fellow Richmonders, and then you all connecting yourself with this being a little fly on the wall and listening to us connect you know no interview questions no script no research just like you walked up to a motherfucker at a party and you started talking to him hey what do you do really oh wow no kidding weren't you in such and such oh you weren't in that band my bad that's the biggest cardinal sin I apparently pulled on here according to some people the wrong band? Hey, it's not a music podcast, man. It's just a talking to people podcast. What do you do when you talk to people? You find out shit about them. That's what we're here to do. We find out. We don't go into it knowing everything already. It's so defensive. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm chicken shit. I haven't posted one of these. I haven't recorded one of these in so long because I'm, I'm scared. I'm very skirt. Uh, of putting anything out there, I've been self-censoring. I uh, don't like the climate that we live in right now. And y'all, you know, you say, "Well, if you got no shame in your game, you got nothing to worry about." But people take stuff the wrong way. They take it out of context. They blow it up. It's not fun. I'll be glad when we we equalize. We get used to all of this technology and all of this access and all of this stuff, and we figure out what we're doing here um, as a society, because we can't just keep punishing each other. Punishment is not cool. It's okay to be offended by something, but you don't have to hurt anybody because they did that stuff, you know, you can leave them alone.